poor. And so today, the whole title, the whole theme of the day from worship to everything is the fact that we have this phrase in our life that we say hindsight is 2020. What does, what that means is that you know what when you look back you can see what you couldn't see before. And and I need you to understand I I've been challenging Amy Carpenter with these graphics and those type of things and she'll send some graphics and sometimes I'll send them back and go let's try again. Now for some people that might get their feelings hurt but she presses into that. And so I said, I want you to not just come up with a graphic, Amy. I want you to pray. Here's the sermon notes. Here, here's the idea. Here's the thought process. And so Amy put together a graphic and she sent it to me. And she says, here's what the Lord has spoke to me. We've been driving down a road looking forward. And in the rearview mirror is 2020. That's kind of the way we are facing 2021. We just want to get on with it. We want, hello somebody. We want to put 2020 in the rear view mirror. But I need you to understand something. When you're driving in a car down a road, you cannot look forward without looking backwards. Hello church. There's the graphic. It's a beautiful idea and a beautiful thought. That's why this morning I think it's important for us to take a minute to slow down and understand. I don't know how many times you check your rear view mirror while you're driving to your destination during a day. We are on a destination. I said that to you in January. Our sermon series in January was titled Vision 2020. And I need you to understand something as a church. When we preach from the pulpit to you as an eldership team, we have spent time before the Lord. We have sought out the Lord for a word for you. This is not just uh, about another part of a ritual ceremony. Okay, now it's just time for preaching. Come up with a little bitty outline and let's move. Diligently, your eldership team is working, seeking the Lord. We want the sermons to be as prophetic as a prophet coming up to you and saying the Lord has spoken. Now, there, I, I am, I am, I'm not gifted prophetically. I'm not a prophet. God has at times used me to do that. He doesn't often at home. When, when we've traveled as a team in other places, Aaron Renee and some of the others can. And I'm always surprised at, at, at the prophetic sense that God gives me. And I'll admit that the problem at home is I know too much. So I, I trust more my knowledge than I really do what God is speaking to me and it gets in the way. I'm just confessing a weakness to you. I know too much. And I want to be very careful that if, if we say I feel the Lord speaking, I, I want you to understand that. I, I, I don't want you to say, well, you know, I feel the Lord speaking, but it's actually Pastor Don speaking because I know too much. Hello, somebody. And I know that's my weakness and I, I know Anne Renee and some of the others have challenged me to stop that. But I can't help it. There are others in the room who are very gifted prophetically. Doug, Nancy, uh, Amrene, Lynette. I mean, it could go on and on and on. Uh, Joe, uh, we could just say there's, there, there's a voice that God is speaking through the prophetic. 
But I will say this. I do feel that when I preach, I want to preach prophetically. Today is important for this church. Today is important for you. And I'm going to show you why. Go with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I've said this kind of flippantly over the last few weeks or so, but I I have on purpose turned off the, the news and soaked myself into uh, just personal Bible study that's outside of my personal reading or even sermon prep. I, I, hello, I need some good news. I, I don't know about you, but, uh, and I, I don't know anywhere else to find it but uh, here. And so sometimes when I'm doing personal Bible study or personal reading uh, or, or whatever, I can't, those things kind of overlap for me. Second Peter... Chapter 1, watch this, verse 16. Peter speaking, said, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his mystery. Now, Peter is on purpose here reflecting back to the Mount of Transfiguration. I need you to follow me there. For when he received honor and glory from God. He's talking about that moment when Jesus was transfigured. And the voice was born to him by the majesty glory, majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to you. To which you will do well to pay attention. I'm just going to tell you. When you come to church on Sunday. Wherever you go. If there there is someone who is sharing the word of God. If there's a preacher who is preaching. You do well to pay attention. Whether the preacher can preach himself out of a wet paper sack or not, doesn't matter. God God is speaking. He said, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Everybody said dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Until the day dawns. So in a dark place, 2020 has been. And the day dawns. Hello, somebody. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, quickly flip over with me to the Gospel of Matthew, verse 17. As you flip over there, uh, seven, or chapter 17, verse 1. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took... With him, Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like a sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. 
But he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And the voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their face and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So let's pray. Father, here we go. Bless us. Let our ears hear your word. Let our heart receive it. Let us be encouraged no matter what our eyes have seen, are seeing, or will see. For Lord, we walk by faith, not by sight. So today, Lord, we trust you. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now watch this. Uh, you might want to do a little writing, a little jotting down, a little journaling, whatever you want to do here. But let me just give you a, a quick, uh, just a quick little definition of the word hindsight. Uh, it, it's a time. Uh, hindsight is literally the time and perspective it takes before we can fully appreciate the significance of what we have experienced. It's the time and perspective. Hello, somebody. Because everybody's perspective is a little bit different. Uh, We're all a product of our environment. Right? And and we tend to view the world based on our experience, based on how we've experienced the world. We tend to view uh, uh, what's coming up based on past experience. We tend to view how we deal with things based on all those things. So time and perspective have formed the way we interact in our life. It's true. But here's the deal with hindsight 2020. When you look back, we say this term, we can always see perfectly what we couldn't see before. Uh, we, we have another armchair quarterbacks, that kind of Monday morning quarterbacks or, or those type of things, right? Those, those uh, you know, those sports commentators who have never played the game at all, but the day after the game can tell you how to play it perfectly. And point out all those guys who train and lift and, and work and beat their bodies up to, to try and do it well. But for some reason, somehow, uh, they didn't actually succeed. Uh, and, and it wasn't that they didn't put prep in. It wasn't that they didn't work hard. It just something happened. But these, these armchair quarterbacks, these guys have hindsight 2020, right? This morning, we as a church, I'm not, I'm not preaching to the church down the street. Maybe the church down the street's listening. I don't know. We're coming to the end of 2020. Everybody say amen. It's all right. It's all right. It's... I think it's fitting more than ever that Advent is at the end of the year, especially this year. This year began... And continues to be a time of darkness. Sure. The story of Christmas is the same. Began with darkness. But in that year, the birth of Christ breaks through the darkness with a story of a star. A light shining to guide men to Christ. There were probably more than three. They didn't get there the night Jesus was born. 
I, I, don't, I don't have time for all that super spiritual stuff. I, I really, come on, study your Bible, you'll know that. Major on the majors. I get it. But you need to get more than whether they were there. The actual night Jesus born, they showed up two years later. The Bible says he was a toddler. It's the fact that they were pagan sorcerers. They were magicians. They were, they, were, they were trained in the arts of Egyptian uh, uh, magic, sorcery. And these pagans saw star and followed it to Jesus. They saw light in a dark time. As a matter of fact, here's the thing. These pagan sorcerers were living in such a dark time that they were trying to figure out when the darkness would end that they had studied more than their own magician books. They had studied history and prophecies and they knew, they knew the darkness would end with a light. They knew. And they followed it. In the end, what we see in Matthew chapter 17 is an incredible illustration of light. The transfiguration of Jesus. Come on, church. In a dazzling moment... It must have been incredible for Peter, James, and John, right? No wonder they fell to the ground in fear and in awe. The transformation of Jesus, the, the, those heavenly visitors that were with him, this bright cloud and this voice speaking out as to shake them to their core. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it was a God moment for sure. Come on, church. Here was Jesus, this man. I don't want to say ordinary man because Jesus wasn't ordinary, but he, he definitely was different in that transfiguration moment than he was before. Come on, church. They loved him. They knew him. He was flesh. He was blood. Uh, they had spent time with him. But all of a sudden, this man that they knew, this man that they loved, this man that they had become so familiar with, come on church, their perspective changed because time, come on church, and perspective now were causing them to see him in a way they couldn't before. And, and these, these questions we've been working through and talking about, who is he? A rabbi, a teacher, a healer, a miracle worker. Who is he? When Jesus asks, he, they're experiencing all these things and this question's got to keep popping up because just when you think you know the answer, just when you think, wow, I got it. Finally, I understand. Jesus has a way, amen, of opening things up where you just go, wow. I, I couldn't see that. There's no way I could have known that. Who is? That's why they keep asking themselves, who, who is he? Like, I thought we knew. 
I mean, we ask this question when he's standing on the bow of the boat and he reaches up his hands and says, peace. And the clouds go away, the rain stops, and instantly the sea goes flat as glass. And we're like, who is this guy that even the wind and, and, and rain obeys him and the waves? Who, who is this guy? Oh, we got this now. We understand who he is. And all of a sudden, Matthew chapter 17, they got to be standing there going, we had no idea. I want you to understand something this morning in 2020. God, I believe God is in it. I don't believe God is absent. And I believe God wants to use 2020 to reveal himself to us in a way that breaks our religious ideas and traditions. That breaks everything we thought we knew. I will look back on 2020 and I, I will think about the struggle. But in the struggle, I want to find myself on my knees before the Lord in, in, in fear and trembling going, I had, I had no idea, Jesus. I just thought I did. Man, and I'm, I'm telling you, you've experienced miracles. I've experienced miracles. Come on. Advent was all about stories of miracles. I mean, I've seen God do some amazing things. I, I, was, I was in Lagos, Nigeria with Glenn Middleton for 14 days. And there are things I've seen God do there. I cannot tell you from this pulpit because you will not believe another word I say. I, I, they're all written down in a letter to my wife. Because I thought I would never be back. I didn't think we were going to live. But every day the supernatural was happening in ways. And I wrote them down. And, and at the end of it I said, sweet. I, I wrote to my, I said, I never, I don't know if I'll ever see you again. That's how scared I was. I'm not going to lie. This is what God did today. My, my wife and I laid hands on, on a Down syndrome baby years ago. And watched God heal that. Come on church. I've seen it. I'm like Peter. I, I'm not, I don't have to make stuff up. As a matter of fact, maybe you're tired of my stories. Maybe you've heard them three, four, five times. But I'm like Peter. I can only tell you what I've seen. Who is he? You know, Jesus, Jesus does something incredibly powerful. He takes his disciples on a little trip. You remember that scene where Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Now quickly, I need you to understand this because it's incredible. You need to watch it. You, got, you can't just read your Bible. You have to read your Bible. Jesus takes these guys out to a, a, a cave or a rock where water is flowing out of. It was the only fresh water, potable drinking water in that whole region. And in the wall of, of this cliff were where holes carved and people would put idols and they would come and worship those idols for the life-giving water that flowed out of this area. And so Jesus on purpose walks his disciples out to this little place, sets them down with his back turned towards them. He's looking at this cliff at all of these idols and he says, Who do men say that I am? Those disciples are all facing all those false gods. They're looking at them. They know very well what happens in this place. You can't just read your Bible, church. Man, I want to turn you on to the Scripture. Some say the prophets. Some say Elijah. Some say, some say, some say. Jesus then turns his back to those idols. 
looks at his disciples in their eye and says, in this place where people worship false gods, who do you say that I am? Peter can't help himself. He never can. That's why I love him. He's my people. Peter's my people. Thou art the Christ. Come on. The son of the living God. In a place where false God and Satan himself is actually worshipped. Jesus takes his disciples to let them make a confession. That he's the king of kings in the world. Come on church. But even that, how can that compare to this, Matthew 17? It's just, wow. I mean, I was there. I made the confession, Jesus. I'm the one who said that you're the Messiah. But whoa, in this moment. Woo! Hey, let's make three tents. On this mountain, Jesus is more than a rabbi. I need you to hear me with your good ear. On this mountain, Jesus is more than a Messiah. You see, maybe this year, a year full of fear, that can make even the most faithful believer wonder who and where Jesus is. What if 2020 is our Matthew 17? My Lord, I've seen you heal Down syndrome. I've seen you do things that I can't even, people won't believe me. But 2020? See, the Greek word for transfiguration, you got it. You probably know it because you're a Bible student, right? Just, it just, it just metamorph. It's a root word that we use for metamorphosis. It's kind of like a caterpillar entering a cocoon. It hides away for a little while. It undergoes this radical change. And, and, and as it enters the cocoon as a caterpillar, it, it exits transformed. That's beautiful. The things that happened. We did that with our, our grandgirls one year. I got uh, uh, some and uh, Brian and Lynn had this particular tree behind their house that had these huge like big caterpillars on it. And so we got a couple. We put them in the aquarium. They, they made their thing and they went through the transformation. We documented it all. And all of a sudden, boom, these butterflies came out after time, right? This transformation was incredible to watch. You, you know, you know all about that. But this word is is a deeper word than even that meaning because, see, the transfiguration of Jesus is is, is different than just, it used to be this and now it's that. Hello, church. His appearance altogether is altered in such a way, right, that like I knew him as a human being, but now I understand this deity. I understand this aspect of God, right, that I never would see. And and so Peter, James, and John, they witnessed this thing. Their friend, Jesus, shining brilliantly and divinely. You see, I believe, you believe what you want to. It's my sermon. You preach your own. I believe the Lord has used 2020 to cause us to see him different. COVID has altered the way we see the Lord. 
guys do what anybody would do when they're standing in the presence of God. They fall on their knees. And when the vision has ended, their, their friend Jesus stands before them again. And he says to them, hey, get up, get up, let's go. We got stuff to do. And, 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 and then he tells them, don't say anything to anyone. Don't speak about it after, uh, until after I'm raised from the dead. Now, this is the strangest comment that you could ever be hearing in your mind. Wait a minute. I, I just saw you transform and, and it's not possible for you to die. If that can happen. Come on, church. So the comment about him dying makes what they saw, the ability to comprehend it, even, even more difficult. Like... He, Jesus just said, don't tell anybody. You ain't going to worry about me saying a thing. I, nobody's going to believe me anyway. Remember now, Jesus said, don't tell anybody. I, listen, I wouldn't tell anybody if they asked. How can I explain what I just saw? How can you explain what 2020... We can't do it. We simply didn't have an understanding to absorb or comprehend what we were going to witness this year. And, and in the beginning, because we didn't have the ability to absorb and comprehend it, we began to make it about all kinds of things. Well, it's about this. It's about government conspiracy. It's about that. It's about those things. It's about this. It's about control. It's a, we begin to make it about all kinds of things. Come on, church. I'm just going to preach a little bit. It's okay. It's about politics. It's about this. It's about that. It's about, you know, uh, it, it could be about, I mean, oh, you know, you know, you've been on Facebook. You've been on social media. You, you've read all the conspiracies. I, I know you have. I know, I know you have. I've got a bigger conspiracy for you. If you like conspiracies, <laughs> y'all not ready. God made some promises to us. Everybody say us in January. He did. And on purpose, I asked the whole eldership team to read back through all the notes from the sermon series in January. I said, I am shook to my core. And what was written on those papers. And what was preached. He made some promises at the beginning of the year I need to take today to remind you of. If hindsight is perfect vision, what you'll see today I think is going to shock you. Peter couldn't comprehend what he had just seen. But years later he would appreciate it more fully because hindsight is the time and perspective it takes before we can fully appreciate the significance of what we've experienced. Here we are on the last Sunday of 2020. We could see the struggle this year. I remember at the men's conference sitting down with the elders going, do we cancel church or do we not cancel church? I remember that. That was in March. We, could, we couldn't see it. But I think we're about to appreciate the fact that God was in it with us. Y'all not helping me. There, there's a power to hindsight and reflection. With, with, with the, you know, muddling through this year and experience in real time, it's difficult. It's, if not impossible for us to make sense and understand the significance. 
Because we're in the thick of it. We're stuck in the middle of it. It, This uphill climb. Our vision is hindered by the thick undergrowth. and, And the overshadowing of the trees of experience. We have had powerful God moments this year. And just like Peter, our comprehension needs time and experience to grab the significance. That's my job today. During the heat of the moment, we can't absorb it. But today we've come to this level place. Is it all right? Where we look back on where we've come. We can look and see it all. We need the gift of hindsight. Remember and reflect with me, if you will, for just a minute. To 2020 Vision Sermon Series. They're online. You can go watch them all again. If you want the notes, I'll give them to you. They haven't been altered in any way. Because they were on the notes back then. So you can test it. Part one of 2020 Vision Series was this. Does church really matter? What is a church? It's a group of disciples doing life together. I don't want to complicate it. Here is specifically what I wrote. Some highlights that I wrote in that message. Are you ready? Why does a church exist? To make more disciples. And what will those disciples do? They will disciple one another to go out and make new disciples. So does the church really matter? Many people are asking this hard question about Christianity, but they're not finding answers for their questions in church. And so I said, church has to change. We never go change when we're comfortable. You will never change until the pain of staying the same is worse than change. I don't have to tell you, this is why I said in that sermon, that churches today are viewed as powerless, irrelevant, and unnecessary, even optional. And I was talking about Christian perspective. I got a sermon coming for you called Sofa versus Sanctuary. And there's a lot of people who ain't going to like it. Because that Facebook live feed was never meant to take place of assembling yourselves together in the presence of God, worshiping corporately. It was never meant to do that. You cannot experience there what you can experience here. It's good, it has a purpose, but it is not what we intend church to be. I got to be in the house with some worshipers. I got to be in the room with a prophet. I got to be in a room with a preacher. I, I, got, I want somebody to step on me. I want, I want to leave church a little violated. I do. I got to be stirred a little bit. God said, does church really matter? I had people texting me, Pastor Don, open the church back up. We'll wear a hazmat suit if we have to. We just want to be in the building. We open church back up. I ain't seen no hazmat suits. 
And we said as an eldership team, we feel like the importance of gathering together is greater than the risk. And we believe people are adults. Make a decision. It's okay. Church is important. It does matter. You know now what you didn't know in 2019. How important the assembling of yourselves together is. You understand that now like you could never understand it before. You do. I, I don't ever want to miss it. I, I build my life around it. It's not like an optional thing where if it works into my schedule this week, I'm going to make church service. Do you know not one soul ever calls me on Sunday and says, Hey, Pastor Don, you coming to church today? You know why? Because you know where I'm going to be. My family knows where I'm going to be. Everybody knows where I'm going to be. And you're like, oh, well, you're paid to do it. Listen, I am not paid to preach. I'm not an employee. Don't want to be. I was an employee. I can go be an employee. Hello, somebody. Does the church honor? Absolutely. And we are grateful for that. But the reason the honor is important is because church matters and somebody somewhere has to be focusing on discipling. So Breno has started his own young adults group. Breno started his own young discipleship group. Uh, men's discipleship is getting picked back up and those type of things. Women are starting to get back together and, and disciple one another and walk in the Lord. Right? Because church matters. Church matters. Everybody say, yes, it does. Yes. I know now what I could not believe then. Number two, number two, number two sermon. God's on the move. Get in. That was the title of the sermon. That was in January. And in that sermon, I said this. FFM has a responsibility to send. Come here, Sydney Wired. Come here, Sydney Wired. Give me, give me that mic right there next to you, sweetheart. Come, come here. We said to you that we believe sending is important, that apostolically beginning to function as a church was important to send, to send, to send. Who will go for us? And we have some people who've gone on short-term mission trips. We take the youth. We take all those. We've had people who go on, uh, adults who go on some short-term, maybe a month, a couple months of those type of things. Then we also had a few families that say, I believe God's called me into this full-time. And as an eldership team, we were like, how do we afford that? But God did it. And our missionaries have been in Guatemala, two families, full-time during COVID. Ministering. This young lady is one of them. Sent from us. We have a responsibility to send. And, and, and that's it. And I want Sydney to tell you for just a few minutes about what's been going on. You're good. Well, to be honest, it's been a tough season. Um, I think for everybody, um, this year has not been what I expected it to be. Um, but it's been really good. So I got to Guatemala in February, February 29th, and it was two weeks later, the country completely shut down for seven to eight months. And it was hard. Um, I was living in Casa Grande, and some of you guys know where that's at. It's kind of like a dorm house that, Beautiful. Yeah, that Students International uses to house some of the students and the interns that come down. And that's and in so, Magdalena. Magdalena, mm -hmm. yep. And so I was living there, and everything started to shut down, and I had to find a house within like two weeks. And within a week or two, I found a house, signed the papers. Which was a miracle. Yeah, it Come was on. awesome. Not, perfect, not, perfect home, What's perfect happening? home, perfect little apartment. After that, I was stressing, okay, I have a house, I need to find a car. 
Within days, found a car, paid in cash, boom, it was mine. Come on, come on. Perfect come on. car, and that itself is a whole story. And then not only that, but I was able to find furniture in a lockdown and even a puppy <laughs> um, oh to keep me company in you know, my house all alone for seven months. But it has been eye-opening. Um, living in Guatemala during a pandemic, I think for me that was the hardest thing. Being in Guatemala and seeing the devastation and just the hopelessness that the pandemic brought to these people who, I mean, a lot of them already have nothing. So they were stripped away from everything. They lost their jobs for seven months. And most of these people live off of what they make every day. To, Which is just a couple of dollars a day, Just a maybe. couple of dollars, yep, yep, to provide for their family. So just imagine no work for seven months. And if they're not going to die from the pandemic, they're going to die from starvation. And so it was just so hard seeing these beautiful people um, on the sides of the roads with white flags, waving their flags, signifying that they have no money, they have no food to feed their children. And so that, for me, was the hardest. But the most humbling experience was when I was walking through, when we finally started to pick back up, um, pick back up in the communities, talking to some of the women who have been um, you know, shut in their homes with abusive alcoholic husbands for seven months. Children um, stuck in homes, not being able to leave with their abusive, physically abusive parents, no school. Um, there's not much food on the table, but these women looking at me and smiling and saying that God has been so faithful. And in my mind, I'm thinking, where? Where? But God is on the move. And just like the song says, even when we can't see it, he's working, and it's true. And I will probably never be able to understand the amount of movement that God has been doing all over the world. I will never be able to understand it until I get to heaven, but God is on the move. In Guatemala, in the communities, I feel like people are turning to Christ now more than ever. Um, and it's just been a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of and to be able to walk beside my Guatemalan brothers and sisters. And yeah. Amen. Come on. So. People are saved who would not been because FFM had a responsibility to send, and we sent. This, there's fruit in your tree you don't even know about. Because God spoke to us. And, and Sydney, was, Sydney was obedient. A single woman on the mission field. The support for this church in her life has been so important. That was part of her testimony too. Is I know that I can minister. Because in the middle of a country who has nothing or no way to support them. I have people who have sent me. Who's being faithful so that I can do what God called us to do together. That's a good thing. Come on give the Lord a hand for that. Thank you. I've got more to say about it in a minute. Kevin. Kevin and Angela. Come. I want Kevin, if Angela wants to come, Angela is kind of a Mike shy lady, but uh, I, I want them to come. Uh, and the Lawrences are, are there uh, at the top of the hill in Magdalena. Uh, if you have to walk up that hill to get to their house, you'll never forget it. Amen. Uh, and, and it's so good. But again, uh, I want you to see, we have a responsibility to send. I want you to hear in the year of darkness what God is doing. So this year has been incredibly difficult, but it has been an incredible revelation to God's power because through this year, um, we have seen people rally around each other in the community in a way that I would have never imagined. People that literally have almost nothing 
sharing what they do have with one another. People that we would, we would, we would package this food and we would take it to these different communities and we would literally have people that we thought had nothing. They were like, we have what we need. You need to give that to somebody else. And so we have had churches that have closed down for the entire year. Um, still, there are still some churches that haven't opened yet. And, but they, people in the church have pushed forward and they have been meeting in their homes. And people have been getting saved that were never interested in church before. And I just hear these stories week after week and month after month about these people that are just looking for something and God is meeting their needs. Um, Magdalena has just been, it's been an incredible year in Magdalena that through all of this time, people have been able to spend time building their homes, to spend time with their families, being able to connect on a deeper level than they've ever been able to connect before. And so we're just, we're really looking forward to this next year and trying to find new ways to reach out, especially to the men in the community as we move forward and we try to see what this next year of ministry is going to look like. And it's been an incredible blessing for us to have the support from here, to have each and every one of you that support us, the church that supports us with prayers, financially, everything, because um, this year devastated SI's budget. And we were able to raise enough money to be able to get through this year, but right before we came back, we had to let five national staff members go because we don't have the budget for 2021 to continue. We'll, we start with 25% of our normal annual budget. So it's just a huge blessing for us to be able to say, we are fully funded. We can be here because of the support of each and every one of you, of all of our family that is here that, that just is behind us and praying for us and constantly pushing us. And it, it has just been a huge blessing and a huge relief for us. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand. It's great. Love you, I got more to say in a few minutes, so go ahead. Now, I need you to understand something. There was a very real conversation with the eldership team. Do we pull our missionaries off the mission field for safety and for financial concerns? But we all as a team referred back to what God had spoken to us as a church on that, on that Sunday morning. We have a responsibility to send. And to do that, we feel like we would be giving that away. We would not be fulfilling what God prophetically has spoke to us. And so we committed to that. I got more to say to that in just a few minutes. But I also said to you in January, get ready. Y'all forgot about it. But I told you in January that there was going to be the possibility of, of this idea that because sending was going to be a part of who we are, we had to start training people biblically, theologically, spiritually in every way. That our discipleship idea had to go to a new level from part one. Part two now is God's on the move. Get in. We got to take that to the next level. And here's what I said to you. There would be the possibility that we would be able to start our own Bible college to guarantee a four-year fully accredited Bible degree. I said that to you in January. Y'all forgot it. And I know you forgot it because when we announced to you a few weeks ago that on January 17th on a Sunday afternoon, uh, we are going to invite you back here 
for the presentation of that. That is going to be happening this coming fall. And the cost is going to blow your mind. What we are going to be able to do is going to blow your mind. The idea of school of ministry, the idea of discipleship, the idea of being a sending church has to be more than just finding enough money to send people. It has to be start from this age and that age fully equipping people so that when God says it's time to go, there they are, we're ready. We're going to start this and it's going to happen. Don't forget January 17th. The, the scholarship fund, a team got together. We just announced this to you to say, we realize kids are going to be going. Young people are going to be going. It's difficult to raise money. So there's a team who has put together an idea of, of generating and establishing scholarships so that our young people can get involved in church and earn points towards earning scholarships, not only for biblical education, but ministry and missionary work. You have no idea what's coming. I'm doing, my heart's pounding in my chest just talking about it. Funding the kingdom. We should not be able to do that because we live in a little old Centerville. But God's on the move and you need to get in. We said that to you. We said this. Here's what I said at the end of that sermon. I said, my prayer is that God will keep his hand on America. I, I got in my notes. You can see it. And, and, and that FFM can always be a part of God's plan even if our nation goes to pot around us. Those were my words. God's speaking. Some churches get on fire for God, for missions, for outreach, and they impact the world, and they make things happen. Then there's other churches that know God's working, and that God is moving. They go around bragging about just being part of an organization that God is moving in, but they're not really doing anything. FFM doesn't have time for bragging. We got to be doing Which one are we? That's what I asked us at the end of that sermon. I want to be a part of a church that makes things happen. How about you? Today, I said, FFM has a choice. We have a choice to make. We can either get moving or we can get out of God's way and let God use somebody else for what he's called us to do. I said that. Part three. A vision that changed the world. <laughs> when God's people forget their purpose, it's easy to make everything good about the kingdom self-centered. That was a statement. The church, let me brace you. Let me help you out because we get so heavenly minded. We just want to check out. We just want to check out. Come, come quickly, Lord. Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly. We just want to check out. We just want to check out. Listen, I need you to understand. I already punched my ticket. My ticket. I already punched it. In 1992, I punched my ticket. I gave my heart and life to the Lord. Whenever Jesus comes back, I'm going. Today, tomorrow, next year, 10 years, doesn't matter. But when he does come back, I want him to find me chasing somebody. My prayer is not come quickly, Lord. My prayer is give me one more day, God. Because when you come, it's over. See, when God's people forget their purpose, it's easy to make everything good about the kingdom self-centered. And here's what, I, here's what I said in that message. The church was born into the world. 
not heaven. We got work to do. People ask all the time, can the lost be saved if they didn't hear the gospel? And here's what I said to you. I have a better question for us, FFM. Can we be saved if we don't deliver the gospel? I wonder if there are more people ready to listen to the gospel in our lives today, in this community, than there are people who are ready to share the gospel. That was a statement in that sermon. You just heard them say, people right now are more ready to hear about Jesus and give their heart and life than they ever would have before. See, there's a something about God pulling things, the comfort of the world away from us in order for us to be able to see Him like we never saw Him before. Sometimes Jesus has to take us up a hill to an uncomfortable place so that we can see Him transform. 2020 has been an uphill climb. Somebody say amen. Amen. But I guarantee you, I'm going to say this. This year, in the midst of 2020, we saw marriages get healed that I think that if the comfort of, of 2019 had been in place, they would not have done it. They would not have done it. They would not have done it. I believe it. We've seen families put back together. We've seen miracles that if the comfort of 2019 had been on us, instead of the discomfort of the hill, the mountain of 2020 was there, we'd have never seen Jesus as the one who can do what no one else can. Y'all not helping me. I don't. Part four is the one you hate every year. It's coming again in January. Just get ready because every year I preach a sermon on it in January. Tithing. Here's what I titled that sermon, Skin in the Game. Used Moses and his staff in that sermon. And and I need you to under this. As as long as the staff belonged to Moses, it was just a staff. But once Moses gave to God that staff, God used that staff to shake an empire. A staff. Y'all don't read your Bible like I do. And I'm just telling you, maybe, maybe I just need to have a class teach you. I'm just telling you. As long as the stick belonged to Moses, it was just a stick in his hand, a walking stick, something to prop up on in the heat of the day, something to lean against, maybe something to poke other stuff at. I don't know. But when he gave it to God, it shook an empire. You got to read it again. You got to read it again. See, you think your tithe, your 10%, you think your dime on a dollar doesn't make a difference. But there are two people, there are two families who just stood up here and said, We got to do what God sent us to do. Because your giving mattered. Now, let me say this to you. Today's the last Sunday of 2020, it's the last time we will receive an offering. So I don't have the numbers from today. But I need to share with you as of last Sunday some numbers. Now this is a year of lack. Taking away, removing, this type of things, those whatever. Right now as of last Sunday, not today. As of last Sunday we are 101.5% above budget giving. We... What does that mean, Pastor Don? That means 100% of budget giving would mean we met the budget. 
But giving right now as of last Sunday is 1.5% above that. In the year. That's a miracle. We actually held back the Easter offering and we told you that we can't pave the parking lot like we had to because we need to keep it back for budget shortfalls and in case our missionaries need money because people's giving fall off. Well, people's giving didn't fall off and your giving didn't fall off on Sundays either. And you are, not only did you meet budget and meet giving above budget into the missionary's life, but you're 1.5% as of last Sunday above budget giving. Now let me tell you something. This is why you need to pray for your leadership and thank God for the staff of the church, especially the sub-ministries. Because we told all the sub-ministries, hey, you're going to have to watch your spending. We all need to be good stewards. We are only 93% of spending to budget. What does that mean? Your staff, your sub-ministries have been so good at being stewards this year that they are 7% lower in spending than we actually approved for them to spend. That puts our total above budget at 8.5%. I need to bless you. Based on how December finishes, today and everything. So if you're wondering, if you're asking God, do, is that what you're really saying I should give today, Lord? We could actually finish 9.5% above budget this year. I was in business for 20 years. Let me tell you something. That's almost a double-digit increase. There's not a business in the world out there who would not rejoice in the midst of a global pandemic to be double digit above or last year. Now, it's even more than that because we increased the budget from 2019 by like 2.5%. So if you think that, we could be 12%. Come on, church. Come on, church. You should celebrate the goodness of God because of your faithfulness. Our church has prospered in a time of lack. That is a testimony. That's a testimony. You know why? Because we got skin in the game. Don't think your dime on a dollar doesn't matter. Don't think it. This little ministry can prove to anybody in the world that tithing is an incredible, incredible act of obedience to God. That God makes a promise. He makes a promise to you. That if you do it, you'll never lack. Last week in Kalamazoo... A gentleman came up to one of the elders. I just need to tell you that. And he said, I've been struggling. Because God has spoke to me. And I, I love this church. And the last couple of years, I'm just a new Christian. And the idea of giving and those type of things. You know, when I look at the income of my business. And he, he's a pretty wealthy businessman. And I think about what. 10% of that is writing that every year to the church. It, it bothers, I'm going to be honest with you, it bothers me. 
And so one of the elders was standing there talking to him. He says, but I'm, I'm telling you what. I believe in what God is doing. I've seen God do some great things in the ministry of Firm Foundation Ministries, not only in Centerville, but in Kalamazoo. And out of obedience this morning, I wrote this check, not knowing if I could actually put it in the offering. Now, he's talking to Brian. And of course, you've got to understand, if you don't know Brian, anyway... Brian's testimony every year at the men's conference is one of those of giving. Give, 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 give. You can't, I've tried it. I've tried to outgive God. Can't do it. Can't do it. And, and so he says to Brian, he says, I'm just going to be honest with you. I cannot personally put this check in the offering. I can't do it. I'm going to give it to you. Will you put it in the offering plate for me? <laughs> It is a $26,000 check. Come on, church. Now, let me, let me tell you why I tell you that number. Not because I work with the elders and we work through their budget and it's been rough on them. They've, they've, they've been in and out of buildings. They've been all these things, all the finances, trying to keep a fully focused, full-time person on staff and those type of things. Like it is, it's, it's, it's right there. And for God to do that, at the end of the year, is a sign to us all that, look, because of your faithfulness, I will prosper what you're doing. I need you to understand. I've just given you percentages. I'm not giving you numbers. They'll come out in January because the percentages, if I give you numbers today, it, those could change, but the percentages will stay very close to the same. Listen, church, you've got to have skin in the game. If we're going to do what God... I, listen, I can't raise the price of my sermons. Sorry, last week, you know, it was $10 a sermon, right? But this week, because of inflation and COVID, you know, we've got to raise the price of the sermon to $25. And you'd be like, no, nah, that ain't worth that. I was struggling at $10, preacher. No, I can't. That's not what happens. We say, hear God about a dime on a dollar in your life. And you did this year. And look what God has done. Come on, give him praise. Come on, give him praise. The last sermon I preached in that series was titled Position for Transition and we had no idea. The word transition implies something is moving. Something's going to change. Transition speaks of movement, it speaks of progress, it speaks of forward motion. Transition is always about leaving one place to go to another. Pastor Art Good used to always say, when God saves you, he saves you from something unto something. You are saved from the kingdom of darkness unto the kingdom of light. That's what the scripture teaches. Transition is about moving from one place to another place. And God is all about transitioning his people. And I need you to understand, if you read the Bible at all, you'll have to know that oftentimes it took God having to allow uncomfortable things to come in and happen in order for people to realize, you know what? It might be time to move. It might be time to do something different. 
Transition has three main components. Letting go of the old. I'm telling you right now, get ready. Because I'm going to hit this point in January powerfully. I do not believe God wants to resurrect some old dead things. I believe God is birthing some new things. I, I, I believe it. Letting go of some old things, trusting, trusting, trusting God to take hold of some new things. And this is what I said in that sermon. There is a shift taking place and something powerful is getting ready to happen. It's in there. God is sending this word to us to position us for this transition. That's what I wrote. I just copied and pasted it into the notes. In January, God spoke to us and said, I am positioning Firm Foundation Ministries for this transition. I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready. I'm moving you. I'm getting you ready. Then COVID hit and the whole world stopped spinning. Can I remind you of something? It's only from the perspective of hindsight that we can see and understand the thrust of what God is speaking And this morning in this place, this church should be strengthened by what you have just heard. You should be. You should be more sure now than you ever were before. It's a PowerPoint that I would like for you guys to put up there, please. Uh, if you can, because I want people to see it, take a picture of it or whatever. It, it, it's only from the perspective of hindsight that we can see and understand the thrust of what God was speaking to us. Jesus underwent a radical transfiguration. But he's not the only one. The Mount of Transfiguration was not only about the transfiguration of Jesus. Peter, James, and John were transfigured too. They were changed. They were changed. Come on, church. 2020 is a year of transition and transfiguration. And let's be honest. All of us have been changed by it. Come on, church. It's transformed this world and it's transformed us personally. In 2 Peter, this letter, he's, Peter's an old man. And, and I'll, I'll, get, I'll be honest with you, right? Like the older I get, the more I realize how stupid the younger me was. true. The, the more willing that I want to hear from those who are older, please just teach me. I'm just, I, wanna, I need to learn. And the older I get, the, the more profoundly wise I realize my father was and still hell of somebody. But Peter's an old man. When he's writing Second Peter... Think about this. That moment in his life was so 
transformative that even as an old man, he can help but to write what he experienced. And, and I've been writing a lot in the mornings lately, just sitting down and trying to hear from the Lord, just in personal Bible study. And, and when, I, when I read this passage in order to prepare and prep for this sermon, and I wrote that sentence down, I thought about, Lord, what will I write about when I'm an old man? What will I write about? What experience will be so profound in my life that as an old man, if I'm going to write anything, I have to write about that? Come on. I got, listen, I got lots of stories. But if I only got one story to write about, what, what will I write about? And I, I can honestly say to you, as I prayed about that and thought about it, sitting at my kitchen table with a couple of Bibles and an iPad and a computer and, and my new, like, my new like pin bag cup, pin bag cup, pin bag cup. It's beautiful. I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to my pins and my Bibles. That, by the way, is, I'm just telling you, I love it every more. I sit down in the morning and go, soup, and I'm like, oh, Jesus. That is beautiful. I guarantee you one of the things that I'm going to write about as an old man is the way God revealed himself to me personally and how I believe he revealed himself to the church as a whole in 2020. I'm not going to write about the way the government handled it, the way politicians declared it. I'm not, I'm not going to write about all the medical people who've got different ideas and opinions. I'm not going to write about whether you should take a vaccine or you shouldn't take a vaccine. You know, I got more important. I got, come on somebody. I got, what else could Peter have wrote about? A lot. He walked on water. He's not writing about that. He ran into the tomb. He didn't write about that. As an old man, he said this was so transformative. I saw Jesus like I'd never seen him before. I'd made professions. But man, as an old man, I hope I write about the young men who are now serving the Lord and leading his church. That I had the opportunity to walk with at one time. I hope that I can write about the young women. That some way I encouraged them to own the beauty of who you are in the Lord. The wonderful creation that you are. The majesty of your purity. The power of your prophetic gifts. I hope as an old man that I can write about this little bitty church in a place where a bunch of leaders told us not to build a church because it wasn't big enough. I, I hope I can write about a time when I wasn't even here in, in 1996 where God birthed a little church and, and there were people who said, we'll give it six months. Come on, church. I hope I can write about that as an old man. I mean, I got a whole page full of... I was just writing. I was like, I hope I can write about this. I want to write about this. Well, what would I... What would, if I had one? Because see, now Peter understands what he saw on that mountaintop. 
He reflects back on the day that he experienced it, this empty tomb and Jesus resurrecting from the dead. And now he knows that divine light that was emanating from Jesus on that mountaintop that day was a light of the promise of God that no matter how dark it is, it can't outshine who I am and what I'm doing on this earth. And I want you to experience in every way, in every way, Peter, I want the glory of the light of who I am to shine on you, to give you revelation. And I want you to understand something something today firm foundation ministries God is shining his light on us and he wants us to experience it all he wants us to embrace it all and that he has been speaking to us over and over and over prophetically so that we can confirm that God has been with us through every bit of it and so firm FFM as you reflect on your God moments this year I want you to consider them under the light of Advent. As you close out this year, you're not closing it out in darkness. Not us, not us, not we are. People of the light. Not us, not us. And so I am titling our January Vision Sermon Series, A Year of Hope. Come on, church. The Bible says that hope does not disappoint. Oh, y'all not ready. Y'all not ready. Y'all not ready. I cannot wait to hear what God prophetically will speak to us. As your leaders get up and share, as the eldership team prays over you for the word of the Lord, as it, 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 you need to be committed to that as well. And today I wanted to share with you some things God spoke to us so that you can say, wow, I didn't even realize it. But he did say it. Stand with me in this place. I appreciate Justin Sturgill came up to me right before I came to preach. And he just, he gave me a word of encouragement, which was great. And, and his word of encouragement was... <clears throat> Good leaders are leader. Basically, good leaders are, are, are leaders who, not leaders who've never failed, but uh, the ones who take what they have failed at and continue to press forward to succeed. And I, I need you to understand that God's not asking for perfection. He's just asking for us to be a willing, people who are willing to be perfected. And this is who we are as a church. We're still going to send. There, there are more missionaries in this room listening right now. On the, there are more. Get ready. There are young people right now who are fired up that, man, I might get the opportunity to be funded. But that means I got to get involved in church. And then their experience to be around spiritual leaders every day, all day long, investing and serving. That's equipping church. That's discipling. This church has a vision. I don't know about a church on the street. I don't preach to that church. And, and you people are a people of God's vision. And, and our prayer each and every week, twi a month, twice a month as our elders get together, we, we spend a great amount of time praying together before our, our meeting. And part of our prayer without fail is, God, we just want to dream your dream. We, we, don't, we don't have any dreams of our own because ours or they're too small, Jesus. We just want to dream your dream for your people. 
I want to pray for us and we worship for a minute. Father, you're so good. Thank you. For reminding us. Thank you for being patient enough with us to say, hey, remember what I said? Thank you for being like Simon. When we think things in our heart and, and you, you come to us and say, hey, I have something to say. Speak, Jesus. Thank you. We agree with Peter that, Lord, you have the words of life. Where are we going to go? Lord, if you don't speak, we shall surely die. So Jesus, keep speaking, keep using. Today we celebrate you. This may be the end of 2020, but Lord, we know 2021's got its own challenges. But I am am full of hope this morning that God, if you were with us last year, you're going to be with us next year, Jesus. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way, Jesus.